Here's the question. Will you still worship God if He doesn't do everything you ever thought He should do for you? That's where we know who our real God is. And we live in a world that says if you complain loud enough and long enough, everyone's going to do what you want. And we do the same thing with God. When God says, look, I want you to learn how to trust me even if it doesn't work. Today, Pastor Daniel is going to take a look at who our true God is. Is it the God of the Bible, the one who created everything and holds everything together and works all things together for your good? Or is it a God of your own making who does what you want when you ask? Sometimes the true God tells us no, or he tells us to wait. What will you do in the moment when the true God confronts the imaginary one you've created for yourself? Now, Here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 4, as he continues his message, A Lover's Song. He's admiring her beauty and she's saying, until the day comes, until the darkness is gone, I'm going up to the mountain. It's not, she's saying it's not time. Now, by the end of this chapter, it is time. And her statement is different. But at this point, it's not time. Until the day dawns and all the shadows are gone, I'm going to go to the mountain. What does this teach us? That we need to wait for the Lord. We need to wait for the Lord. Now, first let me give you the spiritual principle and then I'm going to apply it to our lives. So the spiritual principle is this. I believe one of the biggest issues we all have in this generation is we actually don't know how to trust God very well. We believe God, but we've been taught by pastors, by churches, we've just kind of believed, given the flow of our culture, that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, everything's going to work out all the ways you want it to. But I'm here to tell you, that's just a lie. That's not real. I don't want to be like a downer, but if you follow Jesus, everything is not going to work out the way that you want it to. That's honest. It never does. Your life is not going to work out the way you want it to. You know what's going to happen? Your life is going to work out exactly the way God wants it to. And he has promised that he's going to be with you every step of the way. And in that sense, your life has totally worked out. But too often we say, listen, give your... Put your faith and trust in Jesus, and your life is going to be amazing. And we translate that, I mean, I'm going to follow Jesus, and everything's going to be exactly the way I want it to. I'm going to make a million bucks before I'm 25. I'm going to retire at 29 to a beach with my beautiful wife who never gets older. And I'm going to have all the, you know, it's like we translate this kind of consumeristic idea, and we put it into our spirituality. I'm here to tell you, there's many of you who you're going to pray about things for the rest of your life, and it's never going to happen. Here's the question. Will you still worship God if he doesn't do everything you ever thought he should do for you? That's where we know who our real God is. And we live in a world that says if you complain loud enough and long enough, everyone's going to do what you want. 
And we do the same thing with God. When God says, look, I want you to learn how to trust me, even if it doesn't work. I know, I remember for me, I wasn't a Christian. My mother got cancer. I was in college. I was, so I was 19 years old. First time I ever remember praying was being like, look, I don't know if anyone's out there. I'm probably just talking to myself. Can you heal my mom? And my mom died two years later. How many people have an experience like that? Well, God didn't hear my prayer because I am really God and God needs to bow down to me. Many of us feel that way. Many of you are upset with God because God isn't doing what you want. But here's the thing. If he's God, he is not responsible to do what you want. Our job is to say, God, I don't understand. I would trade this in, but whatever you're doing, I'm going to worship and trust you. We need to learn how to wait upon the Lord and say, God, even though I don't get it, I trust you. It reminds me of Psalm 130, verses 5 to 8, which says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I do hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is mercy, and with him is abundant redemption. He shall redeem Israel from all his iniquities. See, you read that, right? God promised, I'm going to redeem you from your iniquities. And then Jesus comes, and Jesus is not the Messiah that they wanted. He didn't throw the Romans out. But he fulfills his word, but not in a way that they ever thought he would. See, you and I, we need to learn how to believe in God. And I'm here to tell you, God is not going to do everything you want him to do. He's not. Because God does not bow his knee to your will or my will. What God will do is he says, I will be with you as I fulfill what I am desiring to do in and through your life. And I wanted to really bring that out because I watch our lives as American Christians, and we just think that God is like our stockbroker. Sell, buy. We're, and as if God's supposed to just jump every time we have an idea. And that's not believing in God, that's believing in ourselves and putting a Jesus veneer on it. We need to learn how to wait on the Lord, trust him. Now, to bring it down to the real life as it relates to our sexuality, here's the deal. If you ain't married, they need to wait. If you are not married, you need to wait. Now, here's what I want to do. For those of you who are in here who are single, right? If the guy that you're with doesn't love you enough to wait, this is what I want you to do. I want you to poke him really hard in the eye. And I told all of our pastors I was going to do this. So starting this today... If we see a guy with one red eye, we're going to come give him a talking to. (laughs) Seriously, though. See, God doesn't say not ever. He says not now. I know what the problem is when people are not like we live in a culture. We live in a culture where you are a rebel. You are completely different if you're willing to wait. And I'm encouraging you to be rebellious. Be rebellious against the world that says just give yourself away. It's no big deal. You know, it's funny, you ask anybody who's ever done that, they all tell you it is a big deal. It is a big deal. You know why? 
Because when you begin to have sexual relations outside of marriage, you actually don't ever see that person for who they really are. You get blinded by the physical connection. So you don't have the ability to really make a good decision. Does this person, do I believe in them? Do I want to spend the rest of my life with them? Do I think that they would put me before their own needs or put the Lord before even my needs? Do I think that they could lead me spiritually? Do I think that this is the person I want to raise children with? share finances with see when you put sex before that you get blinded by the attraction and if you think i'm lying the proof of what i'm saying is in the pudding in our culture because in a culture where people have sex before marriage and all these marriages are breaking up it doesn't work the way we do it in our culture it doesn't work now i'm not saying that it's easy if you honor the Lord either. But what I am saying is at least you'll make a decision not with cloudy judgment. We need to learn how to wait. We need to say, God, I want to honor you with this body which is yours. Now, I realize I say that so many people have already failed in this area. And I'm here to tell you, you need to come to Jesus. Because we all fall short of the glory of God. We've all made mistakes. Right? And if you realize that you may just come to the Lord, He forgives, but go and sin no more. See, I think what happens is, is we are so used to living in a culture that doesn't know how to wait. That, and we love Jesus. We're like, Lord, I love you, and I failed, and I come and I'm broken, and then you just go back and do the same thing. It's like, it's like a habit. Right? And listen, true repentance is hating something enough to quit it. Put guards around that business. We live in a culture, man, we need to kill the the computer, kill the TV. You need to be honest with people about who we are. It's heartbreaking. This, listen, as a pastor, I get privy to a whole lot of stuff. It's heartbreaking watching what goes on, watching people crush their families, crush their lives by not taking this stuff seriously. It's heartbreaking. We need to learn how to wait on the Lord. We need to learn how to possess our vessels with honor. I'm not saying it's easy, but Jesus is with us when we do. So if you've failed, listen, we've all failed. Come to Jesus, receive his grace, and step forward. If you've made mistakes, you can't redo yesterday. There's grace for the mistakes. Make a new decision today. Follow Jesus on the more excellent way. What I've learned is that it's not puritanical or sexually repressive. The biblical position is actually the most sexually rewarding and flourishing for humanity because our culture all it knows is how to satisfy its desires that's all based in brokenness it's all we know and you guys know it doesn't work you see it everywhere you see the the failings of it everywhere so let's choose the road less traveled but the road that jesus leads down now the guy picks it up again in verse seven look what he says you are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse. With me from Lebanon, look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinir and Hermon, from the lion's den and the mountains of the leopards. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes, 
With one link of your necklace, how fair is your love, my sister, my spouse. How much better than wine is your love. And the scent of your perfumes and all spices, your lips, oh, my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. And the fragrance of your garments is like the fragrance of Lebanon. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Your plants are an orchard of pomegranates with pleasant fruits. Fragrant henna with spikenard, spikenard and saffron, calamus and cinnamon. With all trees of frankincense, myrrh and aloes. With all the chief spices, a fountain of gardens, a well of living waters. The streams from Lebanon. Now, you notice... There's so much descriptive stuff in here, but you notice the idea here is that God's love makes us fruitful. God's love makes us fruitful. All of these herbs and scents, she's a garden enclosed. God's love, from a spiritual perspective, God wants to make your life and my life fruitful. Now, when you think about, and I say this all the time, when you think about fruit, when a tree bears fruit, does the tree eat its own fruit? No. That fruit that's born is a blessing to others. And God wants to make your life and my life exceedingly fruitful. If you don't believe me, you got to go read John chapter 15 in your own time, where Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified that you what? That you bear much fruit. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit. So God wants to make our lives fruitful, and that fruit is a blessing to other people. So God's love makes us fruitful. Now, for fun, I want you to notice a few things here. Over and over again, in these verses, we hear the phrase, my sister, my spouse. Now, I think this is important. You know why? By saying, my sister, my spouse, he makes sure that all of the relationships are properly lined up. So listen, if you're here today, right, and you're married, and you both love Jesus, that means that that woman is both your sister and your spouse. And if you're not married, that means that woman is just your sister. And we need to keep those relationships proper. I remember when I first started courting my bride, Lynn, I used to always call her my sister. And I did that to keep my heart in check. Why? Because she's my sister. She's God's daughter. And that relationship needs to be firmly planted so that I can honor God in regards to his daughter. And I think that's one of the reasons why premarital sex and all this stuff is so out of order is because we forget what the proper relationships are. That woman is your sister, and then she becomes your spouse. And when someone's your sister, I teach my son Obadiah all the time. You got to protect your sister. You look out for your sister. You're her big brother. You need to take care of her. If your sister's crying, whatever's going on, you stop what you're doing and you go to make sure she's okay. And really, you should notice when she's getting upset before she starts crying. Because that's what a big brother does. He looks out for his sister. <laughs> Isn't that an important nuance to a relationship? Do you realize that you are brother and sister in Christ before you are husband and wife? And I remember as when I was courting Lynn and when God was really doing the work, Lynn started to get frustrated that I only called her my sister. Because she's like, doesn't he know I'm his sister and his? I'm going to be his spouse? 
And then I started to say my sister and soon-to-be spouse. But we need to keep those relationships proper. You guys realize that the other gals in here, they're your sister in Christ. And if you're lucky, they get to be your spouse. So first, the my sister, my spouse. Second, and I love this. He's talking about how he's ravished in his heart by this woman. He says, you smell good. How much better than wine is your love, verse 10. And the scent of your perfumes more than all the spices. He's like, man, you smell good. Can I get an amen? Yeah, it's not a bad thing. He doesn't say, man, you smell like a garbage dump. He's like, you smell good. It's okay. Then I love this. He says, verse 11, your lips, oh, my spouse, drip as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue. Now, it's not like she's walking around like, oh, she's got milk and honey under her tongue. You, you know this because you guys love the God's word. You know that milk and honey is a biblical picture of what? Of fruitfulness. The promised land was a land flowing with what? Milk and honey. It means that there's great pasture so that the cattle can eat and that they can produce a lot of milk and honey, the honeycomb, sweetness. He's saying, listen, you are sweet. You are sweet. So you smell good. You are sweet. And he goes through all these things. Look at what happens in verse 12. There's two pictures. A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. Now you notice that. There's two pictures. It could either be a garden enclosed or a garden barred shut or a shut garden. And she's a fountain sealed. And then he goes through all these different spices and fragrances about how fruitful she is. And I love this because although she is fruitful, this speaks of her purity and her virginity. Because it's saying, look, I am a fruitful garden, but guess what? I am off limits. Now, you know, if you haven't heard it the five other times, I'm going to say it again one more time. Sisters, if you love the Lord and you're single, your garden is shut. It's shut. It's the Lord's garden. Don't let any old numbskull get into your garden. Because he's not going to take care of it. It's not his. He doesn't have the key. He has not done the necessary work to belong there. So shut the garden. Now, you sisters who love the Lord and are married, you need to shut the garden too. Except for that one person who deserves to be in there. Now you may say, he doesn't deserve it. Because listen, I realize that with all the adultery we have going on in our culture, women are involved in that too. It's not just the guy's fault. See, the only people who belong in that garden is the Lord and your spouse. Now, I'm not good at planting things. I'm not good at gardens. The lawn works for me because I don't have to do too much for it, to it. But when I talk to Pastor Bill, and I know Pastor Bill does that stuff really well. I realize that in order to have a fruitful garden, you need to fertilize that stuff. You need to water it. You need sufficient sunlight. You need to get in there and you need to weed and get all the junk out of there. And that takes work. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, listen, for those of you who are married, you need to do the dirty work of caring for your garden. A beautiful garden does not come by osmosis and time. It comes by good old-fashioned hard work. 
There's a lot of us in our marriages who stopped doing the work a long time ago. That that garden is not fruitful and beautiful. It's just drowning in atrophy, although it's still your garden. And I think we should love the Lord and our spouses enough to get our hands dirty, to have honest talk about the issues and what they are. And we need to get into that garden and we got to make it beautiful again. Because God never said it's going to be easy. It's going to be messy, but Jesus is real. So listen, if you let a guy into your garden and he's supposed to be in there, then you guys got to do the work to make that garden fruitful. Now, you single guys, listen. You got enough work to do without messing with someone's garden to figure out how to be a good gardener. I know for me personally, God, as a Christian man, God had me single for eight years. And I'm so grateful. It was hard. It was a hard eight years. But I'm grateful because what I realized is that I had no business trying to lead and love a woman. He needed to teach me how to be a leader. He needed to teach me how to be respectful and kind. So if you're a single guy, listen, you got enough to do figuring out how to be a man without messing with someone's garden. You got to learn how to be a gardener. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord loves you enough to teach you. Your singleness is not a curse. It's a gift. It's not an easy gift to bear, but it's a gift. Because I'm here to tell you, the day you get married, marriage is good old-fashioned hard work. And no amount of preparation prepares you for what it is. So you guys, listen, single guys, I want you to rise up and say, God, I want you to teach me how to be a man who can truly love and cherish and nurture one of my sisters. Talk about some discipleship with the Lord. That's some ground right there. Lord, prepare me to be a good man, a good husband. We need that. So everyone's got work to do, amen? Verse 16. Remember before she went to the mountain, she went away. She's waiting, it wasn't time. Now in verse 16, awake, O north wind, and come, O south, blow upon my garden, let its spices may flow forth. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat its present, its pleasant fruit. I love this because now it's time. Now the waiting is over. Now it is time for consummation. The locked garden now is Open and she invites her lover to enter her garden. Notice what it says here. Let my beloved come to his garden. Wow. What does this teach us? This teaches us that we need to invite him in. We need to invite him in. Now what that means physically speaking, is that when you're single, it's a locked garden, and it's your own garden, and then when you get married, now all of a sudden, he's allowed in, and you invite him into your garden, because now it's not just your garden, it's your, the two of you garden, it's his and hers, if you don't believe me, read 1 Corinthians, wives, your bodies are not your own, they're your husbands, husbands, your wife, your body's not your own, it's who, it's your wives, you become one flesh. Jesus is Today, Pastor Daniel dove into the hot topic of human sexuality and its purpose and place in our lives. 
In the Song of Solomon, the woman responds to the man's admiration with a line that says it's not time yet. There's a spiritual principle involved here. God's timing is the only timing for our sexuality and for every other aspect of our lives. The question is, will you still worship him even if he doesn't work on your timetable? Everyone needs a little encouragement to get through their day, and we have a way to provide that for you. Pastor Daniel has some excellent advice, truth, and love to share in his two-minute messages available on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on the social media links to find them. You won't be disappointed, and your day just might get a little brighter. Hey, everybody. This is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore His people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will dive into what he calls a sad, happy song. Our lives aren't ever all happy or all sad. It's a mixed bag with so many things happening at the same time. Our next song comes from the book of Psalms, and it's what is called the song of penitence. We all come to God saying, I don't have it all together. I come needy even on my best day. God still wants to use you. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series called Songs for Summer. Until then, may God bless.